We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to the Champagne on Ice podcast presented by The Field of 68. It has been a couple weeks here since we last released an episode, and that is 100% my fault. I had wisdom teeth surgery at the end of last week, and my mouth was not in any condition to be discussing Illinois basketball for an hour since a few days ago. So that's completely my fault. Uh, we didn't forget to release an episode, but a lot has happened here in the last couple of weeks, and we got a lot to discuss on this one. I'm Kyle Tosk, joined as always by my co-host, Mike Farmer. Mike, how you doing today? I know you just got back from the State Farm Center in which uh, you watched an absolutely miserable performance. But other than that, how you doing? I was doing well, man. I was looking forward to second semester here at Illinois. Got back right around noon to my dorm when it opened. Got to the uh, State Farm Center right at like 12.50, got in the crush, ready for a great game. And then all of a sudden, things just things went downhill pretty quickly. Yeah, I was thinking about I'm still at home for now, but I was thinking about coming back to campus to go to that game. And I got to say, I'm not really regretting my decision to stay home for one more day. Um, but uh I, I apologize that you had to witness that. And that's what we're going to talk about here to get started. We did miss four games here as we, we didn't record last week. So there's been four games, but unfortunately the most pressing one is the one that as we recorded this concluded just under an hour ago at State Farm Center against the Maryland Terrapins in which Illinois just a completely flat performance, a flat effort against a Maryland team that, man, let me tell you, could we just not, is there a way to not schedule Maryland? Like it, once the four Pac-12 teams join the conference next year, can we just defer Maryland to another season? Because for whatever reason, they could have one of the worst teams in the country. What, no matter what, they're going to come into Illinois at Maryland, wherever it is, and they're going to beat Brad Underwood in Illinois. They just are absolutely own this program for whatever reason. Um, but today, man, this is a Maryland team that has struggled for most of the year. Their best wins coming into this one were against a lifeless UCLA team and against Michigan. Like, this is a team that just hasn't done much. 180th ranked offense, according to Ken Palm, 10 and 6. And they come into Illinois and win by nine. And Illinois couldn't buy a bucket in the second half. Maryland 52 points in the paint compared to Illinois' 26. Jameer Young had 20. Julian Reese had 19 in this game. And Illinois, just their worst performance of the season comes at a poor time because losing to this Maryland team at home is a quad three loss. And up until this point, even without Terrence Shannon, Illinois looked pretty promising. But this one now makes you rethink some things. How concerned are you 
coming off this loss to Maryland today? It's tough to say because it's it's one of those things where Maryland has had Brad Underwood's number for the six years he's been here. Like they've had two coaches, they've gone through a ton of roster changes, had NBA guys, had a worse team this year, and they still just managed to beat us, like you said. But uh, I think there were definitely a lot, a lot of concerns today. We saw a couple concerns against Michigan State back a couple days ago, a couple concerns against Purdue. But in the end, you were still happy with those performances overall. At least most fans were, I'm sure. But uh, today, I mean, we started hot. Goody hit a couple threes. Damask was – he got going early. Had Danger get going towards the end of the first half. And then the second half was just just abysmal offensively, defensively. Uh, couldn't, couldn't grab a rebound. Uh, just fouling all over the place. Turnovers from Damask and a lot of other guys. Just really a, a pitiful performance. It was not fun to watch at all. Pretty uncharacteristic of Brad Underwood teams, and especially this team, even without Terrence Shannon. Yeah, I think the the thing you loved about this team, even when Shannon went out, is that they were still – it didn't seem like they skipped a beat when it came to physicality and, and not getting out toughed. And the effort, I thought, in some of those games, like that first game, those first two games against Fairleigh Dickinson against Northwestern after the Shannon suspension, the effort was just off the charts. Then you go into Purdue on the road and you, you battle back from a 21-point deficit and make that a game late, and you grind out a game where you didn't play your best against Michigan State on Thursday. And then this one, it was just 1 p.m. on a Sunday with the wind chill in the negative 20s, and no one wanted to play. That's what it seemed like. I mean, there was just defensive breakdowns. Maryland was getting every loose ball. Maryland out-rebounded you in this game, and that's not something they've done a ton this year. And, yeah, I mean, you, you look at the first 10 minutes or so of the game and it, it looked like Illinois was probably going to cruise to a win. They assisted on seven of their first eight baskets and I think they took a nine-point lead and then they had two assists the rest of the game. Maryland just dominated the paint. Defensively, this was about as bad as you'll see. I know the 76 points doesn't necessarily jump out at you, but for Maryland, 76 points is 96 because that team has not been doing anything on the offensive end. I mean, they've been in the 50s in some of these conference games. Mentioned earlier, 180th in the country in offense. They're the 345th three-point shooting team in the country. And they made a couple timely threes in this game, but that's not really where they beat you. It's not like they came in and, oh, they've been the worst three-point shooting team ever and they made 10. No, they just dominated inside. And and uh, Julian Reese was really the guy they ran offense through, but then like Justin Harmon, Ty Rogers could not stay in front of Jameer Young. And it just, it was just a flat performance for whatever reason. Illinois missed so many layups too, nine of 23 at the rim. I think that's the one thing that like, you know, it is one game. I, you know, we'll, we'll keep, we'll discuss kind of what it means big picture here in a minute. It, it's one game. You're not going to sit here and say that this game defines who this team's going to be now as we go into conference play. Uh, I, I do think there's a lot of concerns, but the one thing that does give me a little bit of comfort that this type of performance may not happen all that often is when you miss 14 layups, which is what Illinois missed in this game. I, I just, I think even with as terrible as they played and you can't excuse the effort and you can't excuse the defensive performance, if they make four or five of those layups, they still escape with a win that you don't feel great about. And and instead they just couldn't buy a basket there in the second half. So it's, it's frustrating, but this is one where you look at this conference and there's a lot of bad teams in it. And Hey, you're not, you're not going to pay play perfect every game, but at home against a quad three opponent like Maryland, you'd probably get one of those. We'll excuse you for one of those, but you can't do that again because at the end of the day, you are trying to protect your tournament resume, which for Illinois after this one took a pretty big hit. 
Yeah, that's that's the thing with the Big Ten, especially this year. Like in past years, maybe you lose a game like this, and it's like you look down the schedule, three top twenty teams. You got to play two of them on two of them on the road or something crazy like that. This year, I, I think our next four games, at least, we're still going to be projected to win. We should still be favored. A couple road games in there. You got Michigan, Northwestern. Uh, with the Big Ten this year, Illinois has a good resume win over FAU. They've got a solid win over Michigan State, a decent win over Rutgers, stuff like that. But a lot of these upcoming games are going to be sort of games that aren't going to necessarily help your resume a ton if you win. But if you lose these games, they're definitely going to be like these quad three, maybe lower tier quad two losses that are definitely going to uh, going to haunt you come March. But just back to today's game, it was it was odd, man. Like some of these Illinois losses in past years have been like you're playing a really good offense like Iowa or Ohio State or something, and they have one guy go off for 30, like Tony Perkins is dropping 30 from mid-range shots. Um, Bryce Sensabaugh is going off for Ohio State. Jameer Young did have 28, but it didn't really feel like, at least to me, it didn't feel like he was like going nuclear. It didn't really feel like he dropped 28 because he didn't even hit a three, hit a couple free throws, but he had just a lot of layups, get, got around the rim, hit a couple mid-ranges, just beating Harmon off the dribble, beating Ty Rogers off the dribble. And that was one of my concerns when I, uh, when the news of Terrence Shannon's suspension broke, I was like, I think the offense will be able to stay at a decent level uh, compared to where they were with Shannon uh, as they were without. And I think we've seen that a bit, like guys like Harmon has stepped up, Rodgers has stepped up a little bit. But I was concerned with some of the backcourt defense, and we, we saw a bit of that today. Just nobody could contain Jameer Young. Uh, Tyson Walker played pretty well against us. Braden Smith played pretty well against us. These are all top-tier guards in the Big Ten. It's still a bit concerning because if you want to win a couple games in the Big Ten tournament, if you want to win in March Madness, you're going to have to find a way to stop these uh, these elite guards. And Illinois didn't really do that today. Uh, I think Coleman Hawkins' defense was a bit concerning too. Reese goes for 20 and 10. Didn't really get in foul trouble either like he usually does. Dante Scott didn't even really do much today. I, I thought Coleman was like, to me at least, he had decent positioning on a lot of these uh, a lot of these Julian Reese. Uh, post-ups and then he was just like falling out of position once he once Reese got the ball and he was going for blocks and stuff and it, it just made for an easy 20 points from Reese which was interesting to see uh, and then the offense I mean you start really hot with Goody making some threes Dane and Damask play pretty well in the first half and then the second half just missing layups missing wide open threes actually getting some offensive rebounds on a couple possessions like multiple offensive rebounds on some possessions and putting up three bricks in one possession getting back on defense, giving up a score and just repeating that process. And then you go down eight and all of a sudden there's four and five minutes left. Like you just don't really have a chance to come back, even if somebody gets hot, which nobody really did besides the mask today. So really just, you know, because Maryland had such a bad offense, I was expecting them to cool off a little bit in the second half. Like I thought our defense would step up pressure wise in the second half uh, after a little bit of locker room talk from Brad. But Maryland, they, they stayed steady. I mean, they, they kept getting to the hoop, hit some timely threes. Deshaun Harris-Smith, Geronimo hit one. Pretty interesting. Just overall, not not pleased with the performance today. I know Brad Underwood and the coaches definitely aren't either. Uh, just not a game you want to lose, but definitely also not the end of the world for Illinois. Yeah, I think it becomes more of a problem if it becomes a, a trend for this team. Like you now you you go through this week and we'll hit them towards the end of the show, what's ahead this week, but you got at Michigan and at home against Rutgers. Like if you come back and you take care of those, no problem, then, you know, this is just one where it was a Sunday afternoon and it was your worst performance of the season. 
and maybe it can be excused. I, I don't, I don't want to excuse is the wrong word because I do think that at home against this Maryland team, no loss is excusable in this spot because I just, you've seen what's happened around the country here and how tough it's been. Like, I think a, a lot of people were posting on Twitter after this game, like, well, eight of the top 10 teams in the country lost this week and, and Illinois falls into that category. Well, six of those eight lost road games. The only other team to lose at home was Marquette to a, an average Butler team. And these home games are so sacred, man. You get 10 home conference games and you got to protect home court in these, especially against opponents that have, are struggling as much as Maryland is. And, and I think that there are going to be games in the conference season where Illinois goes on the road to a team, like whether it's Northwestern or it's Indiana or whoever it is, and maybe they lose a road game in a tough environment and don't play their best because that's what happens in college basketball is it's tough to win road games even if the opponent isn't top tier. But at home, man, you just can't drop these types of games to these types of teams. Uh, but but really the concern will be moving forward if some of these same trends offensively on the glass, whatever it may be, defensively show up against a dead Michigan team on Thursday night or a Rutgers team that is just as bad as Maryland offensively uh, at home next Sunday in a similar spot. It's Sunday at noon, I think, against a Rutgers team that just can't do anything on offense. Like if we get this again, then it becomes a pattern. But for now, it is a one-off because I do think that we've seen uh, a lot of things to be excited about, but heading into this game, it's just going to be about bouncing back and proving that this was just one where you couldn't make a layup and it happens. Um, but I do want to just talk about some bigger picture things coming out of this game. I think one of my concerns looking at, at now we've played five, Illinois played five games without Terrence Shannon. We, uh, by the way, we also will discuss the update on the Terrence Shannon situation at the end of the show, because there are some things happening on that front. So we'll get to that a little bit later. Uh, but Illinois played five games without Terrence Shannon now. And really, since he's gone out, Brad Underwood has really played six guys pr primarily. You, you mix Dane Danger in there when you need to get Coleman a breather. And DGL's played a couple minutes here and there. But Illinois really played six guys. It's been your starting lineup of Rodgers, Damas, Goody, Gary A. Hawkins, and then Justin Harmon averaging about 29 minutes a game off the bench. Um so it's really been a six-man rotation here, and, and it's interesting because one of the biggest talking points when you broke down when we broke down this roster preseason was the depth and how deep this team is and how much that they're going to have a, a, a deep bench and, and different options here and there. All of a sudden, you lose Terrence Shannon, Sincere Harris, red shirts, Amani Hansberry's banged up. Nicola Moretti just got back today and didn't enter the game. DGL doesn't look ready to play. All of a sudden, you do have six or seven guys that you can actually trust, and really it's six because I don't think Dane Danger is a trusted bench piece more so than he's a necessary, you got to give him five minutes if Coleman needs a breather uh, or gets in foul trouble like today. So how concerned are you about that moving forward? Because to me, I get a little concerned when it's just six guys and, and you're asking certain guys, whether it's Coleman or domestic carry so much of the load while playing 38 minutes in these games. So you move into late January and February, could that wear down on some guys? Is that something that you think about? I think it's possible, but I also think because these guys are literally 22, 23 years old for the most part, besides good and danger a little bit or danger is 20 something. But uh, anyways, I think, because they're super seniors, because they're seniors, uh, they're transfers, they've played in different spots, they've played off the bench before, they've been starters before. 
I think they can all get used to it. I also think I don't know how this much how much this plays a factor, but Adam Fletcher as the strength and conditioning coach is one of the best in the country. Uh, they've got new facilities at Ubin, new facilities at the gym, like uh, in terms of health after games, like stretching, all that, all that stuff. I don't think the wear and tear is going to be super crazy uh, for us compared to other Big Ten teams. But we've seen like I don't know if this is is the cause for Big Ten teams failing in the tournament like they have the past couple of years. But you see coaches and players and reporters complaining about 20-game schedule, two games in three days when it comes to, like, late February, early March. And that seems to really take its toll on uh, Big Ten players and these teams as a whole. So it will be interesting to watch. I think it helps that the Big Ten's a bit weaker this year. But I will say if somebody else goes down or somebody else is injured, suspended, whatever could happen, I look at a guy like Moretti, a guy like Hansberry, and Drew Gibbs Lawhorn. Like, they pretty much haven't – none of them have really played in the past month plus, except for DGL a little bit against Purdue and some other teams. So I'd be a bit concerned if they had to come in and maybe take a starting role or play 10 to 15 minutes a game. Like, how rusty are these guys going to be? I know probably regardless, Coleman and Damask and Quincy, these guys are going to carry the load. But you can't really hide a guy out there too long. Like, if you have to stick Dane in there for extended minutes or DGL, somebody like that, uh, that would be a bit concerning, but overall, I would put my level of concern at like a three or four. I, I don't think it's going to like harm this team too much. I think there's a lot of teams that have deep runs in March with a really compact rotation, like six or seven guys like Illinois is doing. And if you have a good coach and just a good game plan, stuff like that, good conditioning, uh, I think you'll be fine. Yeah, that's definitely fair. I, I just, to me, I don't question whether any of these guys are conditioned enough to play 38, 40 minutes. Like Marcus Damask played 40 minutes against Purdue. Coleman Hawkins has played 38 minutes multiple times this year. Like I'm, I, I'm not questioning the fact that they can do it. I just feel like all of a sudden you're getting pretty thin here and over the course of such a long season and it almost just felt like today, like this is a team that's been in some really physical games here of late and haven't come off the floor. And all of a sudden, like, it's just a flat team. That's like, oh, we need a break here. And and you don't really have a spark to turn to like Dre Gibbs Lawhorn doesn't get off the bench in a game where you can't buy a basket, you know? And I, I'm not saying it's the wrong decision at all, because there's clearly something we've seen him come on the court and he just doesn't seem ready to play really at, at this level all that effectively. I'm not saying it's the wrong decision. I'm just saying, boy, it'd be nice if you had a couple other options to turn to here. And, and all of a sudden you're running a six man rotation basically. And it's just, it's thin and you'd love to maybe try to work a couple guys in there just to see if they can give you a few quality minutes here and there. Cause I think it could go a long way for some of these guys that are just being asked to play so many minutes and, and so much wear and tear that I think, could build up down the stretch of the season. So it's just something that came to mind here when I saw as flat of a performance as there was today and tired legs and guys leaving layups short that, hey, you know, we talked all about depth this offseason. And right now, this is one of the least deep teams there is. And, it, and, and the depth word needs to be used in the right context, deep in terms of number of guys that are playable, not deep in terms of the quality of players that are in your rotation, because I think all six guys playing are really good. But in terms of number of players you can play, this is probably one of the least deep teams that's that's out there right now. So uh, it's just something to monitor. But, um, yeah, I mean, you, I don't know from this game what else, you know, there is to touch on other than defensively. Is there any concern for you that this is something that could be a pattern moving forward without Terrence Shannon? I, I think 
It's been a good defensive team. It has not been the same level of defensive team without Terrence Shannon. Uh, you look on Ken Palm right now, Illinois has dropped down to the 34th ranked team in defensive efficiency in the country. And you think back to when we had some of these episodes in December and they were pushing the top 10. So there has been a little bit of a fall off there. Level of concern on the defensive end, especially in a game where a, a broken offensive team comes in and gets whatever they want in Maryland today. I, I were like I noticed the slight fall off in at least Ken Palm defensive efficiency for the past monthish. Oh, we're still in the twenty range, but I would say until today I wasn't too concerned at all. Like Zach Eady is going to get his points. Braden Smith, whoever on Purdue, Michigan State, I and think they didn't did. too. They, they, Zach Eady didn't really get his points. Well, it yeah, was, that was Kaufman, Wren, and whoever yeah. else. It, yeah, it was actually TKR, and then he dropped zero against Nebraska the next game. Yeah, of course. But, but overall, I think Purdue's still a good team. Like they're going to score eighty against whoever they play. So I, I was saying I wasn't too concerned about that, even if it wasn't Edie. I think we did fine against Michigan State. Like, they finished with 68, 70, something like that. Pretty good for a home game. But uh, today, like, the thing is, Maryland didn't even shoot particularly well. At least I, I got to check the box score again. 17 but, from three for Maryland. And that's, yeah, right, that's, about a, where, that's right about where they've been the whole season. So it wasn't, wasn't they all of a sudden made shots. It was that they got whatever they wanted in the paint, 52 paint points. Yeah, that's crazy. And, like, we shot more free throws than them, made more free throws than them. They were one for a nine from three at a point. I kept looking at looking up at the big board and noticing that, and we were still down at that point. It was crazy. But overall, I would say – I'd say Coleman's defense was kind of concerning. Like, obviously, we know when Dane comes in, he's going to get cooked on the defensive end, which is just a given at this point. But yeah. uh, I thought Cole, <laughs> Coleman's defense, I didn't love it today. He had a couple nice plays. But it, it seemed to me like he kept going for blocks on Julian Reese, which was weird to me. I don't know if he was actually was or I was I was just noticing it a couple times. But then as for backcourt depth, uh, Jameer Young cooked us. He got to the hoop at will, got to the paint, was distributing really well to, to Julian Reese as well. And then you look forward, like we played Doug McDaniel at home, so he'll be ready to go for that game. And yeah, then, uh, boom. Oh my, we got to get to that. <laughs> we got to get to that when we preview Michigan. That's on. That's insane. Yeah, no, that that uh, that program is something, man. But then you look forward. You play Boo Booey. Rutgers doesn't really have uh, great backcourt pieces. Uh, we got Indiana, too, and then I forget who we play after that. So there are some really good guards in the Big Ten. I think that's where I would be concerned, uh, more concerned with in terms of our defense. It'll be interesting to see. I think Ty Rogers does, is, is a good matchup for some of these guards, but him and Harmon did not do a, did not do a good job on Young today. I mean, we just got to see if that's the same thing going forward. But I'd put my level of level of concern at like a five. I think we're still a good defensive team. Defense is still going to win us some games, in my opinion. But I think it's really just a wait and see thing. Let's see how they bounce back in a couple of days. Yeah, I agree with you that I thought this was one of Coleman's worst defensive games. And it's funny because I thought he may be at the best defensive game of his Illinois career on Thursday against Michigan State. He was State. great, yeah. He was outstanding in that game. That's not a guy I worry about at all. I, for whatever reason, he didn't play well. They fouled out for the second time in his career uh, in this game and on a questionable call, to say the least. Yeah, that, but, that was a bad call. Uh, I saw it but, right in front and, of me. You know, at that point, you know, you were down like seven with two minutes left. I don't really yeah. think that changed things. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was it was really just the ease in which Jameer Young was operating at that I thought was – was a big issue in the second half when your offense was broken and you were like three for 20 from the field in the second half and you go down on the other end and Jameer Young is getting what he wants. And 
you know, Terrence Shannon's a guy that probably would have taken that matchup, especially in the second half. Maybe he doesn't start on him. Maybe you start Rodgers on him, see how that goes. And, and Terrence Shannon's working on a bigger guy, but he probably would have taken that matchup. And instead you've got Justin Harmon on him for a lot of the second half. And he did a really, really poor job. I think Harmon's overall been pretty good on the defensive end, but man was, was he just no match for Jameer Young today? And and I've always said that I feel like as good of a defender as Ty is, I think these smaller, quicker, shiftier guards give him a little bit of trouble sometimes because I think while his length and his physicality and, and overall defensive ability I think is really good, he's not the quickest of guards per se. And so I think quicker guards sometimes give him some trouble. So that's where you need a guy like Harmon to come in off the bench who is a little bit quicker laterally than Ty is and – just didn't get it done in this game. And I, I think Quincy Garrier had a poor game defensively for the most part. And Damask and Goody, they they got some matchups on those guys a couple of times. And, and yeah, just some of the really bad turnovers. Like, give credit, Marcus Damask is the only reason you were in this game with 26 points. But it was about as bad of a 26-point performance as I've seen from a guy. I just, I just have to say because, man, his turnovers, he had five of them, and all five of them were killer. Like, they were just killer yeah. turnovers. And – and it was just a, a really flat performance. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. But I do want to move on a little bit here. This is this is a game that... You know, we we beat it dead by now. That it, it's a really poor loss for this team. A really flat performance. I don't think it should one hundred percent overshadow what we have seen um, in the the three games previous here as Illinois restarted conference play. Blow out Northwestern at home by thirty. That was probably your A plus game. If you want two contrasting games, Northwestern was probably this team's A plus game, and today was probably this team's F game. So those are your two. 99 and one percentile outcomes for this team uh, at Purdue, Illinois didn't play particularly well, did make it a game to, to just go into Mackey and give yourself a chance at the end. Even if you were getting beat pretty heavily, I thought that was pretty impressive. And then Michigan state, a Michigan state team that's been trending up. You take care of at home. 
And, you know, there was a lot of talk going around about, you know, hey, is this team still the second best team in the Big Ten? Is this a team that, hey, could still challenge Purdue even without Terrence Shannon? Maybe today, you know, made you think twice about those takes a little bit, but I still think this team can be pretty good. It, I'll just leave it at more of a general question. Taking the four Big Ten games we've seen now into context, and, and we'll get to Terrence Shannon later, assuming that Terrence Shannon is not coming back anytime soon. Where do you think this team stands in the Big Ten? Where, what is the ceiling of this team? Has, has it changed for you that much since this game today? What, where do you see this team ultimately going? I mean, before today, I would have said, like, top three for sure. At least, I would say, I mean, I think we're a pretty much still a lock for top four in the Big Ten. I, yeah. I, today changes it. Like, before today, I think we had a 94% chance of finishing top four in the Big Ten, according to Bart Torvik. I haven't checked what it is after the game today. But uh, I think top four is a lock before today. I think top three, you're contending with Purdue and Wisconsin most likely, unless one of them falls off a cliff. But after today, I, it does help because Purdue has slipped up twice already, but I don't know how much more they're going to do that. But we also have lost to them as well. Wisconsin looks pretty solid. They just always find ways to pull out wins, especially at home too. After today, I think – I mean, I think Wisconsin's, of course, due for a slip-up. I think Purdue will probably lose again at least one or two more times. But I really think we're probably going to lose to Purdue again. So that puts you at probably three losses minimum. And then just every team seems like is due for a slip-up. Like on the road, like you've been mentioning, it's really hard to win regardless you of go, who you're playing. You go at Wisconsin. I wouldn't pencil that two, in as yeah. a win right now. Yeah, but – um. I still think this team will probably finish top four. I think you're definitely going to drop some games. Like losing Terrence Shannon is going to affect the team in some ways we probably haven't seen yet. Like there's going to be more duds like this, I'm sure. I think in the short term, Brad Underwood will get this team right. Like he has in the past. There will be a fiery locker room speech after the, after this game, I'm sure. Uh, I think we'll str- uh, win a couple games in a row here. Michigan, uh, Indiana, Rutgers, at least I hope we do. But I think the ceiling of this team – I don't know. I don't think it really changed that much. I think every team is due for a poor shooting performance. You just hope it doesn't come in March like it has for some Illinois teams in the past few years. Uh, the one thing I want to see improvement on is defensive effort, like really poor today, like we've mentioned. Uh, rebounding. There wasn't a huge rebounding margin today, but it just felt like Maryland got rebounds when they need, needed to. Illinois did get a couple offensive rebounds, but then they just didn't convert. I don't really really want to chalk today up just to like a poor shooting performance because it was it seemed like bad effort, stupid mental mistakes, not rebounding, stuff like that. But uh, I still think the Big Ten's pretty weak. You'll still probably drop a couple more games. But overall, I think you finish top four. I think you're in contention for a, probably a top five or six seed in the uh, in March Madness at least and just see what happens from there. Yeah, I still think this team is – definitely a top four team in the conference because frankly, the rest of the conference is horrendous. I mean, it's just, I I think to me, I think Purdue and Wisconsin are better than you with that Terrence Shannon. I know some people argued with me when I said Wisconsin was better than I said that before today. I don't know. I just, I I think they're close, but I just that Wisconsin so far, I think has just looked a little bit more fluid on both ends, a little bit more complete than Illinois has. And I, I think the AJ Store edition for them has done wonders, similarly to Marcus Damas for Illinois. I just think they have a little bit more depth than Illinois right now. But but after those two, like you're comparing yourself with Michigan State, Northwestern, 
Nebraska at this point. Uh, so I just I, I think Illinois is better than those teams still. And at the end of the day, I, I do think that you you're going to have to work through some things if you don't get Terrence Shannon back because, like they're asking so much of Marcus Damask right now. And if you're not getting a really good game from him, well, all of a sudden you don't quite have the the sheer number of guys that can cover that up. Like in today's game, he gave you the scoring, but when he's just not making decisions with his, with the ball in his hands, correct decisions, he's just off a little bit. You're asking so much of him. Now you don't have Terrence Shannon that can take a game over and, if Coleman Hawkins is a negative on the floor for you, like you just don't have anyone to turn to behind him. So the consistency factor is going to be something I'm watching because when you are playing such a short rotation and you don't have that consistent superstar player to turn to every given night, it, it puts a lot more emphasis on all these other guys. You can't get 0 for 7 from the floor and, and cook defense from Justin Harmon as your, as your pretty much only bench option. Like you, You're not going to survive games like that. And he's allowed to have a game like that. Every player is. But only is not going to survive it as well. And Marcus Damask, if he's not giving you 20 and, and, and taking one-on-one matchups, all of a sudden you don't have as many guys to turn to. And if Ty Rogers, we, we haven't even got to that. And we could talk about that in a minute in terms of how certain teams are defending Ty, but like if teams are taking Ty out of the game, like can you even play him? And do you have enough guys to turn to or does he have to play through that? So that that's my one concern here as you move forward. I do think that this team is far more prone to slipping up and having a game like today than they would be if they did have Shannon. Um, and I do think that, there could be some games like this where, hey, you just you don't have the depth and you, you don't quite have the star power that you had to withstand just a really bad night, like you, to survive a night where you just have three of your six rotation players play horrible basketball. Like, I think the consistency needs to, to be there for the group that's here. But, um, yeah, I mean, uh, we can move on here. I do want to preview what's ahead this week. Um, anything else you got, I'll, I'll let you have the last word here. Anything else you got on, on just anything from these four big 10 games since we last talked here on this podcast? I think overall still positive. Like you go two and two. I don't think you're going to ask for much more than that without Terry Shannon jr. Because I mean, we did see the FDU game where we dominated them by 40 and scored a hundred, but we really didn't know what this team would look like, especially going into the, into the Northwestern game. And we saw pretty much a surprise 30-point victory, which was really awesome. And then you go and fight at Purdue. You sneak one out against Michigan State. And then this game, I think it's still overall a positive uh, four- or five-game stretch. You're still sitting towards the top of the Big Ten standings in a relatively weak Big Ten. Uh, today, just really poor shooting performance all around. Rodgers couldn't buy a bucket. Gary Ed, uh Harmon couldn't buy a bucket. Hawkins couldn't buy a bucket. We'll see if that changes. I don't think we're going to be shooting this poorly every night. I don't think we're going to be de- defending this poorly every night. And, like, we, we keep stressing this. This is a really weak Big Ten, even if you are playing on the road. We'll just have to see. But overall, still optimistic, still happy with what we've seen out of the six or seven guys that have played over the past four or five games. Yeah, I think that's that's a fair way to look at it. I You get four games, three of which at home one at Purdue. I don't think anyone was expecting to win that Purdue game and and even making it a five point game was fine. Um, I do think you missed an opportunity here to just protect your home court. Uh, You did it against Michigan state. You did it against Northwestern. And I think the worst 
the worst of those three teams is the one that you lost to. And, and that hurts almost a little bit more because now, like you said earlier, and it's a, it's a great point. When you look at this conference, a lot of these conference games are not opportunities. They're opportunities, not for you to build your resume, but to crush your resume. Like you're not getting a chance at a, at a great win here. You got to just take care of some of these lower teams, but if you'll slip up, all of a sudden that really haunts you. And I thought that was a game today. So um, it, it, it's a missed opportunity. But like I said, really the, the, the key to this is how do you respond from this? You got two games you should win handily at Michigan versus Rutgers this week. If you go do that, then this one is truly a one-off and a day where you miss 14 layups and we're just asleep at home. And it doesn't excuse it, but it at least gives you confidence that, all right, that team's probably not going to play that bad again. And, uh, and it's going to be interesting to see. But I do want to preview this week. Before we do that, I do want to give an update and kind of preface our preview of these two games with the latest in the Terrence Shannon Jr. situation. As I apologize, there's some background noise coming from me. My house is loud right now. Um, but uh, I do want to update uh, the Terrence Shannon Jr. situation. Uh, Terrence Shannon Jr.'s legal team has filed a motion for a temporary restraining order against the University of Illinois um, in in attempt to uh, block the suspension that the university gave him for the rape charge um, that he was charged with in, in Kansas back on December 27th. Um, and, and that's a process that has been ongoing here the last week or so. There was actually a hearing in Springfield at 1.30 on Friday in front of a judge uh, in which the judge declined to make a ruling and, and currently is still deliberating on it and, and is uh, expected to release a written ruling at some point uh, this week, whenever that is. As, as we record this, nothing has come out from that. Um, but uh, that's kind of where it stands. Obviously, if that temporary restraining order gets granted, Terrence Shannon Jr. would be back on the Illinois basketball roster. Now, again, there's another step in terms of whether Illinois plays him or not, but he would be in good standing with the basketball team and his suspension would be blocked. And obviously, if the university wins, um, then that suspension would be upheld. Uh, and, and I can get into just kind of the, the basics of the argument here. But um, just to, to kind of preface what we're going to talk about this week, there is a chance, I suppose, that Terrence Shannon Jr. could suit up for a these games this week if a ruling is made and that restraining order is granted. But as of right now, we don't have that, and that is an ongoing process. But uh, any thoughts on, on that whole situation? Uh, I mean, like we said a couple of weeks ago, it's just a wait-and-see thing. Like, we still don't know all the facts. There were some – we saw some documents on Twitter and stuff like everybody else did, the sworn uh, statements from certain people involved we still I, I don't really have an opinion on it i'm not one of those people saying free tsj on twitter i'm also not condemning him because I'm, we just don't know the facts at this point i don't think it's really right to comment on it uh, i think it's just one of those wait and see things yep, that's a, that's a great way to put it um just a, a quick overview of kind of the proceedings here with this temporary restraining order and injunction is uh, Terrence Shannon's legal teams basically arguing that by suspending Terrence Shannon by the university issuing the suspension that they did on Terrence Shannon that they're denying him his due process and they're 
the crux of their argument comes from the fact that him not being allowed to play for Illinois could cause irreparable harm to his future earnings. They cited both the NBA draft and his current NBA position, but also now a new factor, which is name, image, and likeness, which you'd have to imagine has either taken a large hit or is just gone for Terrence as he is suspended from the program. And the university filed a response late on Thursday night arguing in favor of the suspension, in favor of their process and, and the panel that ultimately decided to uphold the suspension, citing uh, that really it's they're, the crux of their argument is that it's not our suspension uh, that's causing irreparable harm. It's the fact that you're, you've been charged with rape um, and, and the suspension is, is a process um, basically that they claim is uh, one that they've done in the past and they've cited some past cases in which this has happened at other college campuses and and have argued that uh, he's still a member of the University of Illinois, but that playing basketball is not a protected right. Um, so it's, uh, you know, two arguments and it'll be up to a judge, Judge Colleen Lawless in Springfield. And um, and that ruling will probably come sometime this week, probably before Illinois plays Michigan on Thursday night. So um, I do want to get into this week, but just as kind of a preface, hey, maybe Terrence Shannon Jr.'s back. We don't know uh, if, if a ruling is made either way, but uh, if that temporary restraining order is denied, then the next step is uh, – Terrence Shannon's first hearing in the state of Kansas uh, an arraignment for his charges on January 18th, uh, which is, is that Thursday? That's Thursday. So that is the day that Illinois plays Michigan. So when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, let's get into this week, uh, with all that being said at Michigan on Thursday night, home against Rutgers on Sunday, we don't need to dive too deep into either of these games. Um, because I do think that these are two teams that are not very good and teams that on paper, I think Illinois should be able to take care of assuming that some of the habits that they showed today don't show in those games, obviously already saw Illinois with Terrence Shannon, but nevertheless go into the rack and dominate Rutgers. And that's a Rutgers team that uh, has only one conference win so far um, in big 10 play. Uh, and that's at home against Indiana. So uh, Michigan, I mean, <laughs> that's a program that is on, there's some dysfunction going on in there. It is. So let's just overview what's gone on with Michigan here in like the last month or so. There were some rumors from behind the scenes that Jawan Howard got into an altercation with the Michigan strength coach and the Michigan strength coach is no longer with the program right now because there was something behind the scenes there. A couple weeks ago, uh, Phil Martelli, Michigan's associate head coach, just randomly coached a game when they went to play Penn State at the Palestra. They just they announced in the morning, like, well, our head coach won't coach today. It'll be our associate head coach, Phil Martelli, as kind of to honor him as he's from the area at the Palestra. And so he just coached that. And then we had some news drop in which Michigan star point guard Doug McDaniel, who's a really good player having a good year, is suspended but only for the next six road games, uh, not home <laughs> games, just road games. 
and uh, and so he'll play on Thursday night. Michigan's best player will be there on Thursday night because apparently he can play at home, but not on the road. So, uh, needless to say, if Illinois, regardless, of, I, I get it's a road game, but if Illinois loses this one on the road at this Michigan team that looks dead and looks like they're going to have a new head coach next year and has a point guard that plays in half their games. <laughs> then it's time to hit the panic button and some of the optimism that we've still showed after the Maryland loss is gone uh, because this is a game you need to take care of really bad Michigan team, regardless of if it's on the road, this is a team that just hasn't defended at all this season. And, you know, while they do have a couple weapons on the offensive end, they brought in a transfer from Tennessee, Olivier Kamwa, who's had a pretty good year and, and McDaniel who will play in this game has been a good at the point guard spot. It's Michigan team. They do play on Monday night uh, at home against Ohio State, but entering that game, they've lost their last five games, which included a loss at home to Minnesota, uh, a game at the Palestra to Penn State, and at home to McNeese State. And, uh, yeah, so uh, your thoughts on this one. Does Illinois need to win this by 20 or more for you to be satisfied? I don't really care about the scoring margin, but – if you're concerned about Illinois after this uh, Maryland game, it, it's just funny because I think it's the opposite. Like Michigan compared to Maryland for Illinois. Maryland, no matter who they have, upsets Illinois, smashes Illinois at home, wherever it is. And then at least uh, in the Brad Underwood era, no matter who Michigan has, Brad Underwood beats them. So I'm I'm not concerned about this, uh, this game. It is on the road, but that arena is dead pretty much every game. Um, students don't really care about them because they're they're still celebrating the natty. Yeah, they're still celebrating <laughs> the football natty. So I don't know if they'll show up. No, I just I think it's hilarious how much dysfunction. Like, of course, Michigan basketball has, but Michigan football has too, with the Connor Stallion scandal, oh, free Harbaugh, all that stuff. Oh my god! But then they still go on and go undefeated and win the natty. But uh, Michigan, they have Doug McDaniel, they have Kamwa, they have Terrence Williams is actually having a good year, but. He's not a great player. Like, he shouldn't be the guy that beats you or anything. Terrace Reed's solid, but these guys are solid, but they're 6-10. and 10. Like, that goes to show something about defense, something about coaching, something about late-game situations where Jawan is probably 0-35 in his career when he has to draw up a play with five seconds left. But, uh, yeah, I, there's not much to say about this game. Like, if we, if we lose to a 6-10 and 10 team, regardless if it's on the road, regardless if Terrence Shannon's out, uh, I'm hitting the panic button, even if it's after two losses, like just considering everything with Jawan, with Martelli, like being the head coach, I think Brad Underwood has to win this game. I think we will win this game 15 plus 15 point plus win minimum. Uh, so I guess I do kind of care about the scoring margin then. Cause I think we should blow them out, but yeah. Yeah, no, I'm not. I, I was just meaning that more as a joke. I'm not going to nitpick yeah. if they win by 22 compared to 16 or whatever. You just take care of this game and move on. I, I think a couple of the biggest things to watch are McDaniel is going to play in this game, and it feels like the Michigan's best performances have basically just been him going nuclear. Like you look back early in the season, their biggest win so far, Madison Square Garden against St. John's. He had 26 points, was outstanding in that game. Uh, you look at they took a pretty solid Oregon team to overtime. He had 33 in that one. Took a pretty solid Florida team to double overtime, had 33 in that one. If he goes nuclear, that's about the only way I think Michigan 
could find a way to to compete in this game. And I do think it'll be a matchup to watch for Illinois because after you saw what Jameer Young did today with 28 points and having his way in the lane and Harmon struggling to stay in front of him and Rodgers struggling to stay in front of him, well, those guys are now going to get tested with another really quick, shifty, crafty, whatever word you want to use. McDaniel could score. He can get to the basket. Um, and he's really quick with the ball in his hands. And so Illinois is going to have to stay in front of him and cut off driving lanes. And if he goes for 30, that's about the way that Michigan has competed against semi-decent teams this year. But if you can take him away, Michigan just doesn't have the pieces to to beat you otherwise. Like you said, like, yeah, Terrence Williams can knock a couple corner threes down. Is he going to go off against you? He's not going to be the reason they win a game. Com was a solid player, but he's not really a guy. I know he had a great game for Tennessee against Duke in the tournament last year, and he's had a couple 20-plus point games, but he's not a guy that's going to single-handedly dominate you. And I think Illinois has the personnel with Gary A and, and Hawkins to – slow him down. So got to contain McDaniel and, and, and really Illinois offense has to figure out some of their issues because this is a bad Michigan defensive team. And it doesn't matter where they play home road, wherever they they don't defend. They, they really pour on that end of the floor. Um, and, and I think Illinois should be able to score at will against them. If the offense that we've seen up until this game against Maryland and really a little bit against Michigan state, I didn't think they were great offensively against Michigan state either. But up until then, this Illinois offense was was flowing and was a top ten offense nationally. Uh, and if if that is who this team is, they'll put eighty something on this Michigan defense. And I don't think that they should have a ton of issues getting shots up and and hunting matchups. And match, I think you you got plenty of matchups that you can hunt with the mask or whoever it is in this game. I just one on one defenders. Michigan doesn't really have many of them. So um, yeah, I just think you you got to take care of this one. You got to prove that that Maryland game was more of a one-off than anything by handily beating Michigan on the road. I'd agree with your one concern. I think Doug McDaniel has the potential to go off pretty much any game. But uh, I'm not really sure who we're going to put on him. Like, do you think 6'6 Ty Rogers is going to be on McDaniel? Do you think Harmon's going to be on him? Like, am I blanking on something? No, I mean, I think – going to be guarding him? Harmon comes off the bench. I mean, he still plays yeah. about thirty minutes, regardless. But you're going to start the game with Ty on him, I would think. I, I don't, I don't know if you got another option. Maybe Damask could check him a little bit, but I mean, yeah, I think Rogers is probably your best option, and and that's that's just what scares me a little bit is because I, I think Ty's a good defender, but I do think he can get beat off the dribble by quick, smaller guards a little bit, and so it's going to be tough for him. But you'd have to imagine that's probably going to be him. And they, and they might get, you know, Illinois likes to switch a lot with Coleman on the floor as well and whatnot. So you might even see Coleman Hawkins on him sometimes. We saw Coleman guarding Tyson Walker and A.J. Hogard on Thursday. So it might be kind of fluid. But I would imagine you start Ty and you mix Harmon in. Yeah, the thing is, even if even if Doug abuses you offensively, then if you have on the flip side Ty Rogers going against Doug McDaniel with Ty on offense, that's an absurd mismatch. Damask could play booty ball against Doug McDaniel. Harmon could probably abuse him too. Just like we keep saying, McDaniel could go off, but in the end, this Michigan defense is terrible. Even if it's somehow a close game towards the end, I think you have a 95% chance to win because Michigan just collapses late second half. Like They drop nothing in the final four minutes. They have guys just play hero ball. They ISO plays. Like I've watched a lot of Michigan the past couple of years, not as much this year just because they're 6-10. and 10. It is funny to watch them, but it's not great basketball. 
but it, even if it's somehow a close game towards the end, if if you do keep it close, uh, I, I think you'll still pull away in the end. I don't, I don't think there's much to say. Like, Namari Burnett's a solid player. They have a solid starting lineup, I think. But uh, in terms of their depth, like, they have freshman guards. They have Trey Jackson off the bench. Like, these guys aren't contributors. They run a small, like, a, a small rotation like Illinois does. But uh, Illinois just is pretty much better than them in almost every position besides point guard. So just not, not much to say about this game, really. should be a pretty easy win. Uh, if it's not, then there's some concerns, but I, I think we will get this win pretty easily. Yeah, I think you could say the same thing about the game on Sunday at noon at State Farm Center as well, which is Rutgers coming in. It's going to be a similar spot here, probably a cold Sunday, sleepy home game against a team that's ranked in the in the 100s coming in and can't score. And it's just going to be a mirror of what we saw today, basically. And uh, it can't be a repeat performance, especially now you're going to go on the road for a day after you've been home for three of your last four and come back on Sunday against a Rutgers team that you've already blown out on the road. Uh, as a team that comes in nine and seven, they've won one Big Ten game so far, one and four in conference play so far. Um, two, the 254th ranked offense in the country entering play uh, uh, in their game against Nebraska on Wednesday. Like, yeah, this is uh, this is another one where I think you got to take care of this one, especially at home. You can't really afford any more to lose these home games to, to inferior opponents. You got to protect home court. Uh, and I, I think it'll be a spot on next Sunday where this game in a similar situation against Maryland today will be fresh on their minds. And you'd love to see a very inspired performance in front of a, a fully returned orange crush that I'll be a part of for the first time in a month next Sunday and, and some others. So uh, falls in the same boat Sunday against Rutgers. What do you see in that one? Yeah, uh, I would just look at the same thing we saw for this Rutgers game that we saw the first time in this game a month ago. You look at that game, you win by 22. Terrence Shannon has a really nice game. Rutgers just wasn't able to score their ball. Their leading scorer had nine points that game, didn't even hit double digits. Uh, I'm not expecting that same offensive perform- performance from them this uh, this second matchup, but probably something pretty similar. Uh, even Cliff, their best player, their big man, isn't even scoring super well this year. Andre Hyatt's averaging about 10 a game. So is Cliff. So is Mawat Mag. Like these guys just since Ron Harper, since Geo Baker left, since these guys left, like the offense just hasn't been the same. Their defense still top tier. Steve Feichel, really good coach. Even if they're losing these games, they're going to put up a fight on the defensive side of the ball. So you're going to have to hit some shots. You're going to have to play decent defense. Maybe get out, get out in transition like you did with Terrence Shannon a, a month ago. But, uh, Overall, you're at home in front of the crush. Uh, it could be one of these low-scoring low games. I thought that was going to happen the first time, but Illinois did end up putting putting up 70-something points, I believe. Uh, so it's just one of these lower-tier Big Ten teams. You're going to have to fight it out. It could be a tough game, but I still think Illinois should get the win in the end and move to 5-2 and two in the Big Ten. Yeah, I think they hopefully should take care of this game. I think one thing I'll be watching in this one, and it's a topic that we really didn't hit on in this episode, but it's one that's come up, especially coming off the Purdue game, is how teams are guarding Ty with these elite rim-protecting bigs. We saw it, you know, no one's 7-5 Zach Eady. I think it, you're going to be more effective when you do that. But what Matt Painter and Purdue did was they just basically planted Zach Eady in the paint 
and put him on Ty Rogers and Illinois struggled because they, you have a seven, five monster sitting there and they even did it with Trey Kaufman run a little bit. And it just, you didn't have the space to work with, with the mask. And I thought the, the success and the comeback they made is when they kind of spaced the floor with Justin Harmon and Ty had to sit. Uh, Michigan state tried a similar strategy with Matty Soko didn't work because Matty Soko's bad and Ty Rogers cooked him. <laughs> One guy I will say, though, when I'm thinking about big men that that could be effective with, Cliff Amore comes to mind because that's probably the best defensive center in this conference. And I would be interested to see if that's something that Steve Peichel tries because I think Cliff was kind of neutralized in that game at the rack. He was on Coleman. Coleman was stepping out and making some shots in that game and pulling him away from the basket, and that allowed Terrence Shannon to go to the basket and dominate. And in this game, you're going to try to get Marcus to mask opportunities against Rutgers smaller guards that really struggle uh, sometimes against bigger players. We'll see if that's something that they deploy. I'm interested to see that. But uh, I really like the way that Ty responded to that kind of uh, approach against Michigan State and his aggression. But I still think it's something that could pop up in this matchup where maybe you could see that. And maybe it's a situation where Harmon's got to play a lot of minutes and you really got to space it and force him to guard Coleman. Or maybe it's a situation where you really try to get him involved, cutting, sitting in that dunker spot and and try to play through him like they did early against Michigan State. But um, Cliff Amore is kind of the way the, the guy to watch on this Rutgers team because if he can just sit there in the paint and, and patrol the lane, that's all of a sudden when it can become a game where you get into this dogfight and it's in the 50s and Rutgers just kind of hangs around and annoys you and Illinois is missing 14 layups like they did today because Cliff's sitting there. Like that's my one concern in this game is it could be one of those ugly Rutgers games. But um, I was encouraged by the fact that Illinois was had no problems with this team early in the year. Terrence Shannon or not, I don't think they would have had a problem going to Rutgers. They played great in that game and this Rutgers team isn't good and they can't score. And um, I know we probably would have said that about Maryland, but I don't know. I think I think that there's going to be some fire in those practices at, at uh, Ubbin this week on the defensive end of the floor. And I, I think that today we're not going to see that type of effort, especially against a team, against Rutgers that doesn't have a Jameer Young and a Julian Reese as proven offensive threats, even as bad as the rest of the offense is. So um, should be a 2-0 and week for Illinois. If it isn't, that's a problem, and we'll talk about it on the next episode. But just take care of business, and if you can play better basketball and comfortably win these two, then uh, people will start to forget about this game against the Maryland Terrapins. But um, uh, that should wrap us up here on this episode of the Champagne on Ice podcast. Again, apologies uh, for a week off, even though it was coming off that Purdue game and and the Northwestern blowout win at home. Would have been a lot of content, but uh, my mouth was like this. It was like swollen up, so I uh, wasn't going to get on here and talk unless you wanted to see me spit into the screen and, and barely understand me. So um, to, to save you from that, uh, we decided to just wait until this Sunday after Maryland to record, but hopefully – we hit on a lot and uh, our, our, our normal plugs, make sure follow us on Twitter at Champagne on Ice. Uh, try to be active on there. Subscribe to the YouTube channel, Field of 68 Podcast Network to never miss our latest episodes in video form. And of course, you can find us Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts for the audio version of our show. Any last words, Mike? Uh, I don't have much much to say. just hope to go 2-0. Hope to have a good second semester for both of us. And I'm going to go watch the NFL playoffs now. 
Yeah, that's right. Packers Cowboys on right now. Let's go watch some of that and uh, we'll get out of here. Thanks again to everybody for listening. Hope you have a great week and we'll talk to you next week on the Champagne on Ice podcast.